0: 446 to 54. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, You will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee.
1: Well, in case you haven't met me in the flesh before, my name's Jack. You may have seen me online. And this is Katie, who's also my wife, which is really cool. She's very special to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and in case you haven't met us before, we'd love to get to know you. Uh, And also hi to all the people online, it's great to be with you uh, as well, but we're enjoying being in the proximity of everyone here too. Um, And today we've got this great little miracle in the summer series uh, this year, 2020, we are looking at some miracles in the book of John, Uh, and all these miracles are written so that we might know that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and by believing in him, we might have eternal life but before we before we dig into that I've got a question for you and I wonder what you think makes someone trustworthy maybe it's someone who's always there for you no matter what you know some of us have got a friend like that where we we feel like we can turn to them or maybe it's someone who speaks the truth to you they say the hard word they they say what you don't necessarily want to hear but what you need to hear and we've also got those friends Who, when we tee up to do something together, they don't ditch at the last minute because we've all got friends who do ditch at the last minute and we don't trust them as much. Anyway, so turn to the people around you and ask them, what do you think makes someone trustworthy? And maybe you've got someone in mind and maybe you can share about that person. So turn to the people who are an amber width apart from you and talk to them. All right, well, we might bring it back there then. I'm wondering if there's a, a couple of people that might like to share. Sam, do you want to share what you said? What makes someone trustworthy? Oh, okay, so for those those of you at home, it's someone who doesn't lie. That's that's good. That's good. That is yeah, yeah. Um, anyone else? Someone from from up the back in the in the gallery. So they really they really put in the effort with with everyone. Is that what you're trying to say, Evan? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, you know, people that really value everyone, no matter you know, what they do, uh, whether they speak the same language, same religion, same, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, I was thinking for someone who speaks the truth to me even when it's hard uh, and someone who's, yeah, willing to say those hard things because that's what needs to be said. And in the miracle that we have today, which was great, uh, great reading by Matt, this issue of trust appears and we hope that uh, you'll see today that, Jesus is trustworthy. He's even more trustworthy than many of us thought uh, for the thing that we uh, actually that we need most. That's to say that we can rely on Jesus, that he's trustworthy uh, with our lives. So why don't you pray with me and we'll, we'll get into it. Our Lord Jesus, thank you for your word uh, to us today in, in the book of John. Uh, we pray that uh, as we look at it together, that uh, our, our minds and our hearts would be open to you. Now that you might teach us and that you might grow us and uh, yeah teach us more about you and we pray lord that you would grow us more and more into your likeness in your name amen okay so in our in our passage today we find ourselves with Jesus on his way back to galilee uh, he's just come from jerusalem he's been at the passover festival and he's just claimed himself to be the messiah so the Messiah is God's anointed one, uh, the saviour, God's anointed one who would rescue his people uh, from the punishment for their rejection of God. And he's in this place called Cana, where he's been before. Uh, if you were with us last week, Simon and Amber uh, shared how Jesus turned the water into wine uh, at a wedding. There was a party, the bride, the groom, but they ran out of wine. Worst party ever. Um But then the ceremonial jars were filled with water at at Jesus' command and then they turned into wine and it tasted even better than all the wine that they'd they'd had already. Uh, And Simon and Amber shared with us that in this, Jesus revealed himself to be the Messiah, to be God's uh, anointed one, the servant who would take away uh, the sins of the world. Yeah,
2: but this time in... uh... In Cana, the people are not surprised. They think they know who Jesus is. They've been around him a bit. I was like, remember him? Yeah, he's that guy that saved the party that we're at or we heard about. Um, yeah, that's right. He must be some kind of miracle worker. Um, the people think they know him. They think they've seen him. And so some of them had been with him when he was in Jerusalem as well and cleaned the temple of the markets and the money changes. And he'd done mi- lots of different miracles at the Passover festival. Um, you see there in verse 45, just before we started reading. And so as the people are watching Jesus, probably waiting for the next miraculous thing to happen, um, we meet this royal official. Um, and he's probably someone that's pretty looked up to in society. Um, and he comes begging to Jesus. Like, Why is this guy begging? Um, because he's actually really desperate. His son, if you've like seeing your parents when you've been sick as a kid or you've seen other parents worried about their sick kid. Like it's a desperate position to be in. Um, kids are so like, oh, they're going to be okay. Um, but yeah, son is ill with a fever and is close to death. He's so desperate that he would travel likely um, by walking from Capernaum to Cana. That's about 25 Ks. As far as this could, any of us could even go in Melbourne up until very recently Um, that's like the same distance if your name like is isabel and you live in burwood not talking about anyone in particular and you walked from your house all the way to laneway church in footscray for mission last week or week four that's about how far 25k is it's about five and a half hours of straight walking no breaks you'd probably be walking for the whole day um, and you'd be absolutely exhausted at the end But he thinks Jesus is the only one who can help him. So that's why he goes. He's putting his trust in Jesus as the one who can save his son from death because he knows Jesus to be a miracle worker. But is that all that the official is trusting in him for, for a miracle? Is there there more to Jesus in this passage?
1: Yeah, nice. Uh, So we've got three things. Uh, that we'd like to share with you uh, this evening, and the first one is, is that Jesus shows us that He is someone that anyone can trust. So we'll look at verse forty six. If you've got keep your Bibles open or keep that uh, bit of paper in front of you, that this guy—he's not just an official; he's not like a counselor. He's a royal official. It's like he—he he probably works in the in the king's court uh, at the time. He's probably one of the top men. Uh, in the israeli kingdom so like katie said he would have been wealthy had a lot of power high status be be looked up to and probably likely used to getting his own way if it was today he'd probably live in a really big house you know probably down by the bay somewhere he'd uh, probably be driving one of the nicest cars maybe one of those lamborghini saloon things i think they look pretty nice and pretty desirable. He would have had all the resources available to him for anything he needed, food, clothing. If he had a problem, he could probably just make it go away uh, by ordering someone else uh, to do so. But this time, his problem is beyond his control. His son is at the point of death. He might have had money, but this time he couldn't actually buy healing. He might have had power, but that actually didn't make this problem go away. His son is so sick that he's desperate, desperate to walk a whole day to find the one person who he thinks can save his son. And when he gets there, he's on his knees. In the next verse, verse 47, uh, he actually, he begged. It's probably a pretty embarrassing thing for a person of his status in society. You know, you can just imagine him. He's probably wearing all sorts of robes and things, and he's probably there on the ground just pleading with Jesus. And the other thing is that there's lots of crowds around, crowds that have welcomed Jesus as he has come into Galilee because they think that they've seen him before. They think they know who he is. Here's Jesus. Here's here's the miracle worker. But they've seen this guy, this royal official, he's begging they probably would have been pretty shocked and they probably would have been laughing at him uh, as well. And then in the next verse, we get this really weird thing in verse 48 where Jesus actually challenges him. Well, maybe it's not him, maybe it's the whole crowd standing around. But anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that one later. The official keeps going, though. He's really desperate, he's on his knees. And in response, Jesus just says, go, your son will live. And in doing so, Jesus uh, acknowledges the official and he shows us that there's no shame in anyone coming to him, even for someone who's high and mighty, who is shaming himself, begging to Jesus. But I wonder if some, not all of us feel that way. Maybe if we were in his position, you know, high and powerful, Would we have humiliated ourselves in the same way if we were as desperate? Do we really believe that there's no one who is unworthy of Jesus? I think sometimes we can fool ourselves into thinking that that Jesus wouldn't want us, that I'm not good enough. You know, I've done some really bad things. Other people don't like me, so Jesus wouldn't like me. But it's really interesting in this passage and the passage before it, is you've got these two people. This one we've got the royal official, and the passage before it we've actually we actually meet this woman, uh, who's a Samaritan. She's from a different nation that's looked down upon by the Jews. Uh, she's a woman, uh, and at the time a man speaking one on one with a woman who wasn't his wife that was a little bit that was a little bit edgy. Uh, she'd also she'd also had five husband she had five marriages and she was now sleeping with someone who wasn't her husband if anything perhaps society would say that she was unworthy uh, to be meeting with jesus but jesus actually sits with her and he talks with her jesus didn't think that she was unworthy so we've got these two people we've got the high and the mighty and the low and the despised but they're both people that can turn to jesus for help Jesus doesn't discriminate. It's not about how good you are or how bad you are. There's not a person in this world who doesn't need Jesus. There's not a person in this car park who doesn't need Jesus either. All of us can turn to him and all of us can put our trust in him. Which brings us to the, the second point, is that Jesus challenges us to trust him at his word. When the official comes begging to Jesus, you know, all in his robes, on his knees, he really just wanted to take Jesus all the way back down that road to Capernaum, to Burwood, to Footscray and back, to take Jesus back to the, uh, the bedside of his son so that Jesus can heal him. After all, he is a miracle worker and that's why this guy's come. But we come back to this verse 48, which is really odd. Jesus actually doesn't address the official. He addresses the crowds, you people, referring to many people, the people who have welcomed him as he returned to Cana, the same people who witnessed him performing miracles uh, at the Passover, uh, in Jerusalem, and now here he is back in Cana. They've come to see a miracle again, and Jesus calls them out. Unless you people... See signs and wonders you'll never believe. Why does he say this? Like this is still a really, really weird thing. And I think it's because they're not actually respecting Jesus for who he actually is. They just think he's a miracle worker, but Jesus is saying, nah, man, I'm a lot more than that. Jesus is much more than that. And as we see by the official uh, persisting in his desperation for his son to be saved from this fever that has got, got him at the point of death, he, he tries again, and he just asks Jesus, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus responds, Go. Your son will live, like it's some offhand comment, but directly to the official. And it's amazing, isn't it, that all these people have come to see Jesus do a miracle, and he doesn't actually give them any of it. At least that's what they think. The official has walked this whole day. Isabel's walked all the way from Burwood to Footscray seeking this miracle, but Jesus doesn't give them what they want. Instead, all that Jesus gives him is his word. He doesn't rise to the challenge of pleasing the crowd. He's not a circus worker. Jesus isn't some entertainer who's, you know, here to get tips from people to to do something, take his cap off, and then, you know, Ask for your shrapnel. He's not interested in people looking at him and going, wow. He wants more. He wants people to trust in him much more. And that's the challenge he gives the official. He challenges him to trust Jesus at his word, to have to walk all the way back home and see whether his son lives. And the official does go, he goes willingly straight back the way that he came. He knows that Jesus can do miracles. That's why he came all that way in the first place. And now when he comes back down the road, he meets his servants and he finds out that his son's been healed and that he was actually proven right to trust in Jesus. He could trust Jesus at his word. And I wonder if that's the case for us too. You know, would you have believed Jesus like the official? When he said that, would you have gone, you know, just turned around and gone on your way or would you have gone, no, nah, hang on, mate, you need to come with me. Would you have taken him at his word? When Jesus gives us, gives us his promises, do you, do you believe them? His promise of eternal life if we believe in his name. His promise of sins forgiven by his death on a cross in our place. His promise that he'll come back to us and take us to be with him in eternity do we like the official do we take jesus at his word or do we need to see a miracle in front of us uh, to believe
2: yeah i can really identify in this story with the crowd that jesus addresses Um, I, especially as a teenager, I remember lying in bed at night praying for my own miracle. I used to get tonsillitis quite a lot as a kid. And so like, I don't know if you can identify with this, like lie there and close your eyes and pray that my sore throat would go away. And then you do the swallow and like check if it's gone and, and it wasn't, um, or, like, I also remember lying in bed, shut my eyes, praying to see an angel in my room, and and then you, like, slowly open your eyes expecting to be blinded by some angelic light and it was just still dark, the same as it was before. But I, like, I really wanted my own miracle. I was like, oh, yeah, God, if you like, just do this one thing, I'll believe in you. Or, like, if I see an angel or something, then I'll know, like, for sure that you're real and that kind of thing. Um and, yeah, maybe you've had times and you've prayed to God, like, if this thing happens, then I'll be sure, or well, then I'll know you're real. Um, I still haven't seen an angel that I know of, um, and my sore throat didn't get better. Um, well, it did, but after I'd been to the doctors and got some medicine and stuff after a couple of days. Um, but the way that I actually came to trust in Jesus was by meeting him in his word, um, believing in his words. Uh, he has shown himself to be trustworthy to me already, um, I've seen him keep his promises all the way through the Bible, just by reading it and time after time. He's always kept his promises. And I've seen that when Jesus says something will happen, it happens like we saw today. Uh, I can actually have full confidence and assurance in him. Um, so I wonder uh, if you're like the crowd chasing after miracles or if you will put your trust in his word.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Katie. So we see that in Jesus giving the word and the the son being healed, that we see that Jesus can be trusted. That what he says he'll do, he will actually do. And he doesn't have to do the miracle in front of other people. He doesn't have to actually go all the way back to Capernaum with the official. It's more more than just the miracles. It's that Jesus can be trusted at his word which brings us to our last point which is that Jesus shows us that he is more than just a miracle worker. So back at the end of our passage so when the servants report to him the amazing news that the son has been healed Jesus shows us that he's he's more than a miracle worker he actually has power over life and death. Remember this this child was on the brink of death with this fever so bad Um, that he would nearly die. And it's likely that the doctors at the time or or whatever they had back then had probably just given up. They probably think he might have been a lost cause and there was nothing that they could do as devastating as that would have been. But that wasn't a problem for Jesus. His word was enough to rescue this boy. His word was enough to save him from death. You see, all these signs that we read about in the gospel of John, they they do point to something bigger. And in John at the end, there's kind of like this purpose statement uh, for the whole book. It's in John John chapter 20, verse 30, 31 and says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. So these miracles, they don't just show something small. They actually show who Jesus really is. They show us that he is the Messiah. He is the son of God, God's anointed servant, the one who would save God's people from their rejection of him, from their sin, so that they would have life. This happened so that the official and and us, the people reading it, would see that Jesus is the Messiah. He's trustworthy to save. And if we trust in him, that we too might have life. And the official realised that. If you look at verse 53 on your, on your outlines, then the father realised that this was the exact time which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. In much of the book of John, believing in Jesus means taking him to be that saviour, to be that messiah. And many of you will probably know John three sixteen. It's you know probably on a few of your bathroom mirrors or or things like that around your house. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This man saw Jesus. He trusted in him. He saw his son healed and realized that Jesus is more than just a miracle worker. He got more than he bargained for on that on that trip for, from pernium to cana that he's the one and only son come to give eternal life to all who believe in him and that wasn't just for the official himself it was also for his whole household and you might be wondering but but what about the healing of the son is not that's miraculous like you know we should be focusing on that it's so cool and and absolutely it is it is it is cool it's more than cool does god still heal today in such ways does he care when people are sick And the answer is yes, Jesus does have compassion. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done this healing. And there are many other instances in the Gospels as well. But where Jesus' compassion is actually directed most is not just to take away our sickness or our illness or our disease or whatever suffering we're going through, but actually to deal with our sin and the punishment that that deserves. To not just fix the symptoms, but to deal with the disease. To save from eternal death, not just to delay it. For people to believe in him as the saviour of the world and to receive eternal life. Because to not believe in him has serious consequences. And Katie's going to talk a bit more about
0: that.
2: Yeah, I had some of those similar questions that I was reading it um I'm like, well, what about healings now and sick people? And I've thought a bit about sickness and death. Um, I used to work in an emergency department as a nurse, and sometimes we save people and sometimes we didn't. And I remember an older nurse um, saying to me once after we've been trying to save this guy that, uh, like, anyone who comes into the emergency department gets a second chance in some ways. Like, otherwise, they would have just died anyway, but we're actually giving them a second chance. Um, But I kind of realized even the days when I felt really good about myself and my patients have gone really well and I've been able to help them and they've lived or gone home and stuff like that, that they're still, even when they were healed, that they'll still die. Like maybe not that day, but another day they will. Um, Yeah, their life is still going to end someday. And and I used to kind of think, well, oh God, like how cool would it be if I could just walk into a room and pray for someone and they'd be healed. I mean, it'd shut down all the all my jobs, but it would be <laughs> awesome. Um but actually if they didn't believe in in God, they'd still die. It would still be the same. Um and I don't think it's it's wrong to ask God to heal. Like Jesus has such compassion for this man and his son. Um but what I was thinking about that I think it's wrong to like put an ultimatum on God or like not to trust God if he if he doesn't do the miracle they're asking for. Um, so like I'll still pray that my friend's dad will be cured from his motor neuron disease. I'll still pray for my friend that has cancer to be healed, um, and I will still pray because I know he cares, I know he has compassion, oh. <laughs> um, and I know he's capable. But um, I, what I won't do. Um, is make the mistake of bundling up my trust in Jesus as the Messiah and that miracle. Um, uh, like what if maybe Jesus has a bigger plan that includes suffering and godliness, that includes death and eternity? Um, yeah. So, yeah, don't like magnify the miracle and miss the Messiah. That is so much more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Thanks, Katie. Um, so, we mentioned at the start, what do you think makes someone trustworthy? And I want us to reflect on what do we think makes Jesus trustworthy? Uh, like what Katie said, Jesus came not just to heal people of their illness and injury, but and not so that they could have a better life now, but actually to give them eternal life so they would be with him forever in a place, you know, where there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering. He came to give eternal life and he came to show that he can and that he will do it. And he came to demonstrate that when when Jesus says that he'll do something, it will happen. Then when he does say, go, your son will live, you can believe him at that, to trust that, When he says that he'll die and then he'll rise again three days later for the sin of the world, he'll actually do it. And to trust that when he says that if we believe in him, we will not perish but have eternal life, that we'll actually receive it as well. And, yeah, like Katie said too, we should absolutely pray for people, pray for our friends who are going through awful times, pray for people who are really affected by COVID this year, um, you know, and into the future with whatever comes, which we don't know yet. You see, yes, the official son was saved from death by Jesus at his word. But more importantly, this miracle actually meant that the whole household that this boy was part of was saved and they too received eternal life. Now, so the question for us is, will we take Jesus at his word? Will you believe in him as the one who saves, as the one who forgives, as the one who gives life? And maybe you do already, and that's fantastic. If you do trust in him already for that, for this, then how will you keep trusting in him as you go forward? When you leave uni, as some of you, as some of you are doing, when you've started work and you start earning an income and you're able to support yourself uh, quite uh, easily, when you think about getting married and, and partnering with someone for the rest of your life, when you return to your home country or maybe you move to a new country, how will you keep trusting in Jesus with your life for eternity when these things happen and there's many other things too Uh, but also if you're someone here who hasn't yet put their trust in jesus will you take his word that if you believe in him you shall not perish either and that you'll also have eternal life will you trust in him we're going to pray let's pray lord jesus thank you that we can trust in you Thank you that when you said that you would die on a cross for the sins of the world, you really did do it. And thank you that when we believe in you, we receive that promise of eternal life. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here who who wants to believe in you. Thank you for knocking on the door of their heart and that there is nothing that can stop them from being loved by you. Pray that they would really know that. Would they know that they can talk to anyone here and pray with them, give their life to you. Thank you that when we have faith in you, we become part of your family of believers, that we are now called brother and sister, together trusting in you, Lord Jesus, as the one who saves us from the punishment of our sin. Praise you, Father God, for your son. Teach us to grow our trust in you through all of our life, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.